Well, good morning. We'll be in Exodus chapter 2 this morning. Exodus chapter 2 as we continue looking at the life of Moses. And last week we talked about drawing closer. And uh, <clears throat> we kind of did a, a brief of the first two chapters of Exodus. And we're introduced to Moses in these chapters. And uh, I may not be as eloquent as Apollos or as mighty in the scriptures, but hopefully I was able to convey the idea that God wants to have a relationship with each of you, with each of us. And, uh, but we must understand that begins with him having a plan for our lives. When we saw God's plan for the life of Moses unfolding in these two chapters uh, last week and how God was working through the circumstances of his life uh, really to draw Moses to himself, uh, and we, we saw that God can work in spite of our failures. And that should be a comfort to us and an encouragement to all of us. Ain't nobody perfect. And so uh, what a blessing it is to know that God uh, blesses there. But let's begin by reading uh, Exodus chapter 2, verses 15 down through uh, the end of the chapter. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. <clears throat> and this, well, let's back up to, well, well, we'll just start there. Verse 16, sorry. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and uh, drew water and filled the uh, trowels to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came... To rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water uh, for, enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for uh, he said, I have been a stranger, strange land. It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God had respect for them. And so we were picking up where we left off last time. And... and uh, as I mentioned, nobody's perfect. Uh, we all make mistakes. And, and we understand that God has made provision for that. But that does not give us license uh, to sin or suggest that we should not strive to honor God and to live a holy life. Uh, as a Christian, that ought to be our, our uh, goal, is, would be to honor God and to uh, strive to live for Him. Romans 6.15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace, God forbid. And so uh, that is, let not this be. Uh, that's not how it should be. And, and, uh, but there is comfort in knowing that God has made provision for the weakness of our flesh. Uh, that is a blessing I know in my life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And last week we noted that God is faithful. And here again, this morning, we see this attribute of faithfulness in our God. And we understand, based on the merits and the finished work of Christ, 
God is faithful to forgive if we would acknowledge our sins and come before him humbly and confess them. What a blessing. Uh, I know that is a blessing in my life. And listen, we understand that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, I know in my life I've experienced that. I wish it wasn't the case, but that is the reality of, of this life. Uh, that's why the Lord said to watch and pray. Uh, he tells the disciples there to watch and pray. Are you struggling with sin today? Uh, do you find yourself struggling? Uh, the Lord in his model prayer gives us uh, that example of watch and pray. And it says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, we should be asking God for help. Listen, you're not going to get victory in your life without God's help. That's just the fact of the matter. And I know that based on the experience of my life. Uh, there are some things that in my life that I struggle with and struggle with, and I'm like, oh, boy, I just want victory over this. But it was not until I humbled myself and said, God, I need help in this area. I am tired of having this in my life. And what a blessing it is to know that our God wants that relationship with us. And he can strengthen us. And... and uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will always be faithful to do that. Not based on your goodness, but because of the finished work of Christ. And he's just. He can do it justly. The, the, uh, Christ has taken care of it. Uh, but you must humbly come before him. But, but listen, our flesh is weak. <clears throat> uh, but we can't be complacent and negligent and lazy about this. Jesus tells his disciples, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Watch has the idea to keep awake, to be vigilant. Uh, it's not going to happen accidentally. Uh, it says, God forbid that we should continue in sin. There's grace available, but that doesn't make it okay. And sometimes I think we're not sick of our sin. And sometimes we talk about that besetting sin and we're just content to live a life of just that revolving door of, oh, okay, Lord, forgive me. But sometimes I think we're very presumptuous on the grace of God that we don't get serious about dealing with that. And uh, we all have, it may be different for each of us, but we need to be careful. We need to watch and pray. Sometimes we're good at watching because we can do that in our flesh. I ain't going to go to that place. I ain't going to do this or that or whatever. But oftentimes I think we don't have victory in our lives because we're not praying. We haven't went to God and said, listen, God, uh, I need your help. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. God, strengthen me that I might get victory in these areas. Uh, <clears throat> we are weak. We need help. But listen, even the greatest Christians are not without sin. We noted last week that Moses is probably one of the greatest examples of somebody that had an intimate walk with God. And now I understand we're looking at the beginning of Moses' life in that. But I want to remind you of Deuteronomy 34.10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. So we're talking about a man that knew God face to face and he was not perfect. He had many failures along the way as he followed God and, and led the people of Israel 
Uh, and so what an encouragement it is to know that, that God is patient. God is kind. God loves us. But I'm afraid oftentimes we become complacent because we understand that about our God. We must be reminded that our God is holy. Our God does desire us to come out from the world and be separate. He does desire us to be different. And so this morning, I challenge you not to become complacent in your sin. Uh, There are consequences for sin. Moses here is driven to the desert. Pharaoh hears about it. Pharaoh wants to deal with it. And and so Moses is driven to the wilderness or to Midian, we might say. And uh, in in verse 15, we, we read that this morning. Uh, He commits murder, and so he is driven over uh, to Midian. And we all make choices, and we're free to do so. But I know you've heard the saying that we, you are free to choose, but you're not free to choose your consequences. And I think sometimes we don't have immediate consequences in our life, so that's another thing that causes us to become complacent and kind of careless in our Christian life, and we're okay with sin because it doesn't seem like anything negative. But the reality is you're separated in fellowship from God. That ought to break our hearts. I know the thought of that is it hurts to think that, that I could breach that fellowship and that connection I can have with my God. And, and uh, <clears throat> so don't ever forget, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, he shall also reap. There will be consequences of your sin. And so don't get short-sighted in your choices and neglect to consider the long-term consequences. Even in God's forgiveness, there can be consequences that we can't change. That will alter our lives for the rest of our life. Uh, We need to be careful. And we understand God's able to work despite our failures. We understand Romans 8, 28 uh, we're, we're so thankful for that, that God can continue to work. He is faithful to work in, in, the, in the wilderness or the desert times of our life. Um, but let's understand the desert can be a lonely place, a difficult place, the wilderness. And so I want to remind you today, God has not forsaken you in the desert. Listen, whether he has allowed you to go to the desert or the wilderness or maybe even perhaps because you've failed and put yourself there. In either case, God has not forsaken you. He's not forgotten you. Uh, We can find comfort in the desert. As Moses is in Midian, God is still working. And we'll see this in the weeks to come as as this continues to develop. But God hasn't forgotten. We saw the latter part of chapter 2 here. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. and, and, And God, his plan is still unfolding. <clears throat> what a blessing to know uh, that God can work despite our failures in the midst of our afflictions. And so in these difficult times, God can bring streams in the desert. Uh, he can bring a refreshing. Uh, Isaiah 41.18 says, I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land, land springs of water. This is something that God can do that, that we can't. Uh, when I think of streams in the desert, uh, I've spent a lot of time in desert environments. I never tripped up on a stream. So in Iraq, I, I was in the Baghdad area, and we would convoy around, and, 
And, you know, there's the Euphrates River. We'd cross the rivers and things like that. But there were times when we were out at Fob Shocker and all these. I never came across the stream. In the Kandahar province in Afghanistan, it's desert. I never found a stream. And there were these washout areas. I don't know, there must have been water here at some point. But listen, the idea here is God can do something that we don't understand. Here's what the Family Bible Note says on Isaiah 41:18. I will open rivers. He can plant the wilderness. The wilderness is a symbol of adversity and affliction. And its conversion into well-watered and fruitful fields is of returning prosperity and comfort. God is the fountain of life and power. It is easy for him to change the wilderness into a fruitful field for his people. And he will do it for his own, the glory of his own name. Enjoy the wilderness. God hasn't forsaken you. It might seem parched. It might seem dry and desolate. But God is able to take that time in your life and make it something that you never expected it could be. And so just remember, God has not forsaken you in the wilderness. We all want the mountains. We want easy life. I don't want negative below zero temperatures. But here we are. We want it to be easy, but the reality is when we're afflicted, we grow closer to our God. Oftentimes, it is good for me that I had been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Hebrews 12.10, for verily, for a few days chastened, or for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Do you want to become more like Christ? You might have to go through some things. Some wilderness times. God can take what we consider barren and unprofitable and make it profitable that we can be conformed more to the image of his son. Job 23, 8 through 10. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. Here's how it ends. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. It may feel desolate, and you may feel forsaken, but God has not forsaken you. And he can bring you through these times in life, that you might come out as gold. You see, God is always working, even if we don't feel like he is. We see God continue to work in this plan in Moses' life. We see that down through 16 through uh, 22, and it says, Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs of water, uh, <clears throat> water to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said, how is it that you are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the land of, or out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left him, uh, the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses support his daughter and she bare him a son. And she called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And so, listen, Moses said it is a strange place. 
And just by chance, he's at the same well as these ladies. I think God was orchestrating a meeting. God was continuing to work in his life, and God hadn't forgotten him. If nothing else, he had supper. But the reality is he gets a wife, and, and he has a child, and, and so he goes there, and, and uh, he, he, he really begins to establish his life here in the desert. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a blessing that God would continue to, to work in his life. And, and it does feel like that Moses, uh, he bears Gershom and, and appears he's resigned himself living as the most uh, well-trained shepherd of all ever to be. I mean, he was trained by the, educated by the Egyptians, so he's just going to live in obs- obscurity. Uh, as the most educated shepherd, perhaps. I don't know. He must have resigned himself to that. And, but I think God was bringing Moses along still. Uh, Moses had some things to learn. He had a temper. He was going to slay somebody because they're in an argument with somebody else. Take this person's life. He had a temper. But I also think he needed to be humbled a little bit. Who did Moses think he was that he could solve everybody's problems? Right? Well, you're... This Egyptian and this Hebrew are fighting away. I'll, I'll solve your problem. And then the next day he comes out and he confronts the two Hebrews that are, he just, it seems like he was maybe because of his position as, uh, as Pharaoh's daughter's son or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, I think Moses needed some humbling in the desert. Uh, he, God was still working. If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. That's the words of our Lord. And so during this 40 years of tending sheep, God certainly teaches Moses some patience, some humbling. The Lord knew that Moses was going to have to deal with a difficult people, a complaining people, a murmuring people that would make accusations against him and against God. And and so these were times in this wilderness, in this desert, that God is, is teaching and training Moses how he's going to minister how he's going to be used of God uh, to work <clears throat> or to, to accomplish what God is, is trying to do in and through his life. So I think in this 40 years in the wilderness, God's teaching him to be humble and patient. And, and certainly God's dealing with his temper at some point. We might not see it in the passage here, but if not, there's going to be bodies buried in the sand everywhere. You can't solve your problem. Listen, I wouldn't have any problems if we could handle it that way. Just take them out. I don't like your attitude. I'll bury you out back. But that's not ministry. That's not a Christ-like life. And so God oftentimes uses our wilderness times to bring us closer to him. To change us and conform us to his image that we might be a better minister for him. So enjoy the desert. These long-term deserts are often where we draw closest to God. Moses is there for approximately 40 years. That's a while. That's my lifetime almost. I'm 42. And to think that God would keep us somewhere for that long is not encouraging, maybe. Well, I don't want to go through affliction. I don't want to go through difficulties. I don't want to go through challenges. Listen, I just want to get on the right side of this and start serving God and, and have the, all the mountaintops and the victories. But the reality is God may keep us there. 
And so we still must be faithful to him and continue to serve him even in those difficult times. We can't just give up because the idea of waiting on the Lord isn't that we just sit back on the lazy boy, but we just continue to serve and we continue to labor and we continue to work and God continues to grow us. And certainly we enjoy the mountaintops when we get there. But sometimes we must stay in our deserts for a long time, at least longer than we want. But don't regret those times. There are times that you can grow in intimacy with God. Remember the, this thought in, in Psalm 27, 14, I wait on, the Lord, or wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be of good courage. It has the idea of be strong. Don't faint. Do not be dismayed. Hope in God. Trust in the Lord. Be of good courage. Listen, God hasn't forgotten you. God is working his plan. You can be of good courage. You can be strengthened by understanding that. Listen, he shall strengthen thine heart. He can enable you to perform your duties and to triumph over whatever enemies or difficulties you have. But you have to look for him to, for strength. You're not going to overcome it in your own flesh, in your own way. You must lean on him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. We sing Isaiah 40, 31 often. But do we take it to heart? Do we make application? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. weary. They shall walk and not faint. These are those that wait on the Lord. These are those that trust in the Lord. They're not going to get faint. They can run and, and not be weary. This verse tells us exactly what we need to do when we're in the wilderness times of our life. The idea of waiting means to wait patiently and expectantly. We're not just sitting around waiting to die. We're sitting around waiting to see what God's going to do. How is God going to work in this circumstance? How is God going to work in this situation? Where is God going to bring us to after this point in our life? We're waiting patiently and expectantly, understanding that God is at work. <clears throat> Let me remind you, he's faithful. He is working. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is going to continue to work through that circumstance. He's going to continue to develop you. You just have to trust the process, as we say. Uh, I've done a little bit of woodworking in my time, and, and I don't like it. I, I like quick results. But in finished carpentry, that's not reality. I've learned that. I want to cut the wood, slam it together, stain it, and have a project done right away in a couple hours. And that's not how it works. And I used to work with, with one of our old civilians. This is when we were in New Mexico, and he was, we were building doors. 
there was, I can't remember the situation, but we had to custom make some doors because either we didn't want to wait for a special order situation or something, but we were custom making doors. And, and, and a door, just as a slab of wood in and of itself, seems pretty simple. But if you want the thing to be square and you want to open and close properly and be plumb and all those things, uh, and you're making it without machines by hand, um, it's quite the process. And I was doing some things. He's like, slow down. I'm like, no, well, let's get this. I'm, I'm trying to close out work orders so I can go to the next one. And he's like, that's not how this works. You've got to trust the process. And, he, you know, when you're walked through the whole process of taking the slab and maybe similar to some of these doors, the six-panel doors, you put some uh, design into it, and then you've got to make the door frame and, and all those things. It's just something, if you do it quickly, you can have a door that might work, but it won't work long term, and it won't hold up over time. And I just never forget him saying, trust the process. You know, I want to put two coats of poly on it right now. I don't want to wait for that one to set and then still wool it down and then brush it off and do it. I just want to be done. And he's like, trust the process. And I'll tell you what, he was a far better fine finished carpenter than I am because he's patient. Listen, sometimes we just want the finished product. We want to be there right now. That's not how God works. God is changing and developing and conforming us into his image. Day by day. And we just need to trust his process. Allow him to work. Listen, enjoy it when life is good. Praise God. Be thankful for those times. But don't think that God is not working in the wilderness times of your life. And I know it might be hard, but you still need to give him thanks. And you still need to praise him because he is working in your life. In the midst of the struggle, he is there. And so are you in the desert this morning? Do you feel like you're in the wilderness? If we're going to grow closer to God, we must understand he has a plan for our life. And he is still working his plan. While Moses is in the desert of Midian, the Egyptians continue to groan, and they're under this burden. Uh, look with me at 23 and 20, through verse 25 in, in this. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And as we see in chapter 3, God continues to work in the life of Moses. And you guys know the end of this story. And God takes Moses into Egypt to bring his people out. God is still working in the midst of your wilderness time. Don't doubt it. Don't question it. And I would say this to you. You might be there for 40 years, so settle in and enjoy it. Give God the praise. Give God the thanks because he is still working. But we must never forget to wait on the Lord. He can provide the refreshment we need to make it through the deserts of life. He is faithful. He is faithful. Don't forget that. 
when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, He is faithful. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And Father, I understand that likely there are people that feel like they're in the wilderness today. Life has been difficult. Circumstances have been hard, but I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. And I pray that they would never forget that you are faithful and that you are working and that they would be conformed more to your image through it. Help us, Father, to deal with whatever sin we may have in our life that we might grow into a more intimate relationship with you. And Father, now as we look ahead to the hour to come, we pray that you'd meet with us, Lord. We ask that you'd work in hearts. We ask that you bless the preaching of your word, that the word of God would go forth with free course, and that you'd move in lives that only you can. And Father, we pray that if anybody doesn't know Christ, that they would come to know him as Savior today. Lord, we want to glorify you in all that we do. We need you this morning. We ask that you meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen.